Welcome back, everyone, to Department 12 and IO Psych Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina, and I'm joined in this episode by Dr. Andrew Neighbor. How are you, Andrew? Good. Doing great. Hi, Ben. So Andrew has his BA in Psych from Gettysburg College, his MA in IO Psych from Middle Tennessee State University, and his PhD from Texas A&M University. And he is here today to do something very serious, which is defend a buzzword, or in this case, a buzz phrase. And that phrase is team agility. So I think, like many listeners, my first response when I hear a new buzz phrase is, if not immediate rejection, there's a definite tendency to say, ah, this is just another phrase for something we've already been studying for 100 years. But that's not the case here. Tell us why. Yeah. So team agility, I realize that I'm already backpedaling. Um Team agility is is a broad term that can refer to a lot of different kinds of, of performance outcomes. And when we're talking about teams, I, I think we all realize that performance as a team is much different than performance as an individual. It's got different inputs, influences, individual differences, function a little bit differently in the team environment as opposed to a more traditional individual and performance uh, context. Um, and uh, team agility, I think, is a good exemplar of general flexibility and in how individuals and teams operate a little bit differently. Um, the reason that I, I've uh, defended team agility, I think, is because agility has become such a buzzword because of agile teaming and, and a lot of the influences mm-hmm. that we're getting from software development nowadays. Um, and it's, it's easy to say this is just this is just another fad. You know, it's the same with uh, Six Sigma or, or, you know, all of these other um, different approaches to organizational development and developing teams that we've seen in the past. Um, and the, the benefit of, of buzzwords, for lack of a better term here, um, is that they illustrate different operationalizations that we've got for, for team performance uh, that we can kind of leverage. And we can use that as a, as a conversation starter for a lot of our our friends out in the the general business world. Okay. So I'll give you sort of the, I just look at these words, team and agility and put them together. And my sort of common sense definition of them is, you know, a team is a group whose members coordinate their activities to accomplish some shared goal. Agility, I tend to have sort of like maybe athletic associations with it's some combination of, of speed and flexibility or speed and direction changing. Um, is that what you mean by team agility or is that how we should be operationalizing this or is it? Uh, I, I think that's good. That's a good way to think about it. So you know, direction changing is, is an interesting way to think about these things. When we think about individual versus team performance, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always drawn to, uh, uh, Larson's work in search of synergy, 2010, a, a huge book that summarizes so much of the team performance literature, um, and I think in so many ways it's spot on. How do you how do you combine individual performance in a meaningful way whereby the team is greater than the sum of its parts? And for better or worse, that's that's the nature of work nowadays. I mean, everybody works on a team. I, I really struggle to think of any particular job where they purely work individually. Um, on the on the other hand, I also struggle to think of any job where it's so easy to combine together individual inputs and operationalize them in such a way to 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 clearly articulate team performance. Um, I, I, it's it's a great mm-hmm. book, but um, in a lot of ways it oversimplifies things. 
So when we think of what is team performance and it being the sum of individual contributions, oh, we should be so lucky in IO psychology to have these these simple team operationalizations. Um, so I think the idea of agility and flexibility, changing directions, um, these strange ways that teams perform, um, th- that's the norm nowadays. Um, so I, I think changing directions, doing different things, uh, having very unique kind of contributions towards the team is, is not the outlier anymore. It's, it's actually the norm. So, um, yeah. again, just to back up a little bit, for those that aren't familiar, could you give us the, th- the thumbnail description yeah, um, of what you mean by synergy? So when I, when I think of synergy, I think in terms of uh, job redesign, actually. So it's a bit colloquial to say that synergy is simply a team is in some way a, uh, outputting more than the sum of its individual parts. So I, I think a good lens to understand synergy is think about it in terms of job redesign. If I were to have a task that needs to be accomplished, I need uh, X people to produce Y widgets. Would I have them come together and, you know, pure interdependence, everybody's shuffling for parts and trying to put together these widgets, whatever that might be. Um, or do I want to completely separate them out of, Everybody produces a widget independently, and then we just sum them all together at the end, and that's team performance. Um, so when we think of synergy, mm-hmm. it's it's how do individuals uh, integrate their efforts into a cohesive whole, and is that effort worthwhile? So if you think about team process losses, uh, yes, we have X number of individuals, and they're trying to produce Y outcomes. Are they getting in each other's way? In some way, whether that's because they can't communicate, whether that's because they can't collaborate, whether it's because something unique about this process prevents them um, from producing their their expected widgets. And in in an ideal experimental universe, of course, we we would be able to control all of these things. We would say, I can separate these individuals out. I'll put them in different rooms. They will have all of the parts that they need and they will, they will produce these widgets individually and add them all together. Or I will put them all in one room. They will have all of the parts they need. They will in some, in some way integrate their efforts and produce more or less. And in some ways it's as simple as that, but we know the jobs don't often work that way. And mm-hmm. we don't sadly in some ways uh, live in a lab. Okay, so connect this then to your idea of, or you know, the idea generally of thinking about teams in terms yeah, of homeostasis. Yeah, so uh, homeostasis is another one of these uh, kind of buzzwords um, that that can be advantageous. So, I mean, synergy—it's it's classic. I think it's I think it's in a weird Al song making fun of all the buzzwords that people use. Um, I, I think it's a Sting album. I'm not sure that's particularly relevant. Um, but I mean, it's, it's almost a joke of we need to synergize and it's not, you know, it's, it's an important way of understanding how teams perform. And, and it's also a really basic building block of, of how we design jobs. If we're, if we're spending our time forcing people to be on teams where that's not the best way to produce work, produce work, I think that's, that's not just a disservice to, to ourselves and then being arguably uh, bad job designers, but it's a disservice to the individuals that are, that are trying to do their best work and might be Mm -hmm. 
um, not only discouraged, but also be in a situation where um, they're not able to do their their best work due to the how they're kind of organized within individuals or teams. Um, when I think of homeostasis, it's a lot of the same problems. Um, so when I think of homeostasis and teams, I'm thinking of, of not just everybody getting along, which I think might be one way to conceptualize it, which isn't bad. Um, but I, I think about it in terms of free energy. So if there's, if there's individuals on teams that might have some downtime, are they using that productively? We know that team members might get in the way of other team members. So if you've got an individual that might be um, struggling in some way, shape, or form, obviously another team member taking the time to back them up, back them up or help them or uh, in, in some way sort of bring them back to the fold, uh, that's great. Um, but there's also times where you've got team members that might be uh, mm-hmm. doing that exact same behavior in a way that actually interferes with team performance. You know, uh, taking time to to back up another team member who doesn't need backup. Mm. That's that's not just overlapping efforts. In some ways, that might actually be uh, a direct conflict. It might in like damage the the team as a whole um, because they're not just spending extra time here, but they're actually uh, conflicting with with the general team goal. Okay. And then another term that, you know, we sort of talked a little bit about in, in the lead up to the episode is this idea of anti-fragility. And that's another one of these terms that I tend to think of as being like a, a current buzzword. I'm seeing anti-fragile or anti-fragility a lot. Yeah, definitely. Tell us sort yeah, of how I, you operationalize that and how it relates to the overall concept. I think it's something that we don't, we don't talk about a lot in the team performance literature, but it's something that it, it's just on the tip of the tongue for a lot of business leaders. They want to have a team that is robust against shocks, is able to adapt and, and again, use buzzwords, uh, to be a little bit more agile. Um, everybody has this idea that we, we want teams to be able to respond to, to anything. And that's, that's really a tall order. Um, every business is talking about how it needs to be agile overall, but that, that's really going to be the particular team trying to respond to, to these challenges. Um, it sounds cliche to say simply business environment is changing. We're dealing with all sorts of shocks in the system. Um, an organization we hope can respond to those shocks. But at the end of the day, it's, it's often a lot of teams that are individually responding to those shocks. Um, you know, when we think of the term anti-fragility, which I don't even know if that's a buzzword yet. Do you, do you hear that a lot in the team literature? Uh, not in the team literature, but just in business in general. And I usually hear mm-hmm. it dropped in where strong would probably be just as good. But yeah, I think no, you I, mean something I, a I little different uh, by so, that. And, and um, it's why I mean, I'm, I'm digging a little bit here. Black Swan argument and all, all of the work that uh, I believe is Nicholas Nassim Taleb um, has been doing is really tried to conceptualize anti-fragility. And I don't think that he's applied it to teams per se, but it's something that, that resonates with me. Um, I think in some ways, methodologically, we're really struggling to catch up to it. But what I would think of as a team-level operationalization of anti-fragility would be something along the lines of um, it's beyond a team being simply uh, robust to a shock. It's beyond a team being resilient to a shock. Um it's a team that's actually growing from a shock. Uh, and, and we can, we can talk about sort of what makes up a team and all of that stuff. But when, when I think of a shock and a team, I'm thinking of a 
a shock being performance is uniquely changing the actual outcome variable, how we're defining performance or the tasks that lead to team performance is fundamentally changing. Uh, maybe even the task is changing. I mean, the, this is very difficult to kind of assess in a lab setting, but mm-hmm. if you've got a team that starts off with something like a brainstorming exercise, they've got some time to settle into one another yeah. and they are, you know, they have a sense of cohesion. They're learning how to collaborate better with one another and then we're going to transition them to, I don't know, playing Fortnite, you know, so completely different, unique task. Um, are they in some way different from a team that maybe started with the brainstorming exercise and then went to play Fortnite and just can't get it together? For some reason, they, they uniquely fail. And I, I think we have some sort mm-hmm. of intuitive understanding that there's something about a team that's, yeah. that's cohesive in this way that's robust to that kind of shock. And we know that some teams are just are unable to do that. Um, and that's how a lot of teams work nowadays. I mean, it's easy to say we've got project teams that'll switch tasks or switch projects and they may band together and then disband. But, but we also knew, know that uh, every team is going to have some sort of shock to their system. Some teams aren't just robust, but grow from it and leverage that previous experience. And some teams are just going to fold. So I'm not, uh, I'm not personally very familiar with the team literature. If I were to go out and, and sort of spend a few days reading through it, would I find that team agility uh, is a relatively I think team agility uh, mature is a good concept in there, or is it just emerging? I, I, I now have levels of buzzwords of some are better and worse. Um, but, <laughs> I, but aren't, Aren't all of the terms that we use at some point in time buzzwords? buzzwords. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true that I mean it's it's easy to it's easy to make fun, but every every term or concept or phrase that is now old hat was at one time a buzzword that people heard and said, "Really, that that's what you're looking into?" But I guess I'm just curious. You know, we've been talking about team agility mm-hmm. and how you know we can think about it in terms of synergy, homostasis. Uh, homostasis and anti-fragility. I guess I'm just wondering, is is that a concept that I would find operationalized out there in the literature? Would I find I measures think it's really of it? Would I find studies where it's a, and, and a some of that reason is because we're, we're dealing or is with these this layers kind of, very of buzzwords. Um, and uh, it, it's easy to, to defend buzzwords, generally speaking, and say that, well, you know, this is a jingle jangle fallacy. We've got lots of different terms and we'll figure it out in the future. Um, but I, I think in a lot of these situations, we've got these little tidbits and different literatures that we're trying to stitch together to, to come up with some sort of meaningful theory. Um, and, and some of it's based off of the nature of team performance and the environments the teams might perform in, knowing that, uh, like something, something like homeostasis might be, might be more valuable to understand when you've got these, these teams that might have lots of downtime or they're, um, there may be more, say, mentoring tasks underneath the team of like one team member might be supporting other team members along the way and backup behaviors. Um, whereas when you've got something like anti-fragility, uh, now you're talking about teams over time. We're talking about more within subjects designs. If you've got a team over a long enough period of time, when do they respond to different environments in a unique way? Um, so I, I, I would say that we're probably pretty early in a lot of these um, concerns. Um, again, 
this is in defense of buzzwords, I would say in a lot of ways, there's a lot of buzzwords floating around because there's interesting ideas that we don't have terms for and maybe not an overarching theory. Uh, but we're trying to come up with these unique operationalizations um, for unique performance domains. Uh, teams cover so much of performance nowadays. We're, we're trying to come up with these different metrics. And sometimes buzzwords are really useful terms for, for operationalizing these ideas. For my last question, I'm going to ask you something kind of challenging. So if I were a graduate student right now and I'm looking at a range of topics uh, that I could be, you know, maybe writing a thesis or a dissertation on, what's an idea from, you know, sort of this operationalization, this emerging operationalization called team agility? No, that's a great that question. you think might be worth um, looking into that would make a real <laughs> my, contribution to, to, to sort of develop this, this idea or this theory? Always collect more data, as much rich, uh, high-density data as you can over really short time frames. Because I think that there's so much information going on in teams. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you've got a team, there's all sorts of connections between people. There's communication. There's performance. There's there's unique collaborative behaviors, um, and it's really easy to miss by, in some way, trying to figure out what's the best way to sum up all of team behavior. Um, but teams don't really operate that way. And we know that, um, we know that you can't just have a single trial. We know that even at the end of a particular project, some teams will succeed and other teams will succeed through completely different strategies. Um, so my, my immediate lazy response would be collect as much information as you possibly can at, at numerous time slices, because you don't know what might be interesting and what might be valuable. Um, at some point along the way. And you probably should be looking at all of these things, like something like homeostasis. Um, you, you don't know how long the downtime might necessarily be mm -hmm. until you've collected some of this data and then realize that maybe it's actually quite sparse data and there's a lot of downtime between team members. And then the few times they might interact in a meaningful way, that's, that's what's interesting. Um, when you're talking about maybe an anti-fragile team, the issue is not necessarily the time slices or how sparse the data might be, but, but meaningful changes in the fundamental environment. Um, and there's so many different ways of conceptualizing even that of what, uh, what is a shock to the system? Is it, is it time-based? Is it task-based? Um, or is the natural kind of ebb and flow of the team? Um, what, do, are you going to grill me and make me say some specific thing that's going to be a dissertation at some point in the future? Mm, no, no, I, I guess I'm just thinking about, you know, it, it sounds like there's a lot of, there's a lot of meat in here. Uh, and I guess I have more questions than I have answers. I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not really thinking clearly. I, I'm not seeing this as clearly as you are. Uh, and I haven't given as much thought as you have, obviously, but I guess I'm just wondering, is there, you know, one of those elements within that it would be great to have a more specific definition or a measure of, you know, where do you, you know, where would you see like a sort of a big uh, push forward for this concept to be? Is it in the development of a measure or, uh, you yeah. know, better, richer yeah, descriptions if, if of I team behavior to, uh, so that we make a decision you know, about can start it, to I, think I, about how it might be uh, do, measured if, or if how I the changes could be measured? Just trying to pick your brain pick on from. that. Um, as much as I love the idea of anti-fragility and that you might have these shocks to the system, um, the normal team, 
the average lifespan of a team, I think, is still something that we've, you know, we've been relying on Kurt Lewin for how long of, you know, norming and norming and all of that. And mm-hmm. that's, those stages make sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that most, most graduate students have, have had to sure. learn that as in the team's literature at some point. Um, but yeah. what does that look like on the common measures that we have today? What's the heartbeat of a team? Um, yeah. Are we are we expecting cohesion to go up and down, and is that healthy and normal? Are we expecting cohesion to be relatively similar over time, and that's normal? Um, and beyond normal, what's what's actually beneficial? What's helpful? Um, I, I really think that figuring out variability in some way, shape, or form um, is is probably the most beneficial thing that you can you can look at with teams. Um, this goes a bit back to my previous point of a lot of this comes down to time slices and not confounding the outcomes of team performance with the processes of team performance. Uh, And a lot of times that involves not just understanding teams in terms of self-reported surveys of team cohesion and team communication, but, but figuring out ways Mm -hmm. of, of actually measuring this in a more, more objective way, whatever that means. Well, I think you have uh, accomplished your mission of defending this I particular buzzword so or buzz so phrase man. insofar as you've really shown how, how much there is to think about uh, in relation to this topic. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to be on the show. 